Welcome back to the Water Prairie Chronicles, everyone. We appreciate you being with us today. And I have a special guest with me today. I'm talking with Ange Anderson. Ange speaks internationally on topics related to special education, such as supporting your children and adults with neurodiversity. And she is the special educational needs advisor for a global virtual reality company. She lives in Wales, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about what she's doing with virtual reality. Ange, welcome to the Water Prairie Chronicles. Hi, I'm thrilled to be on your show. I love the reason for the name of the show and that the show inspires people with ideas of how they can support students who are neurodiverse. And as we know, neurodiversity covers all kinds of learning differences and disabilities. I was, until just before the pandemic, head of a large special school for students aged between 2 and 11 with conditions ranging from profound and multiple learning difficulties, PMLD, severe learning difficulties, SLD, ADHD, complex needs, and emotional behavioral difficulties. But 75% of the students had autism as a primary or secondary um, diagnosis. So I introduced at that school over 25 different therapeutic and technological interventions and innovations, which I first had researched extensively <clears throat> and then introduced into the school and we were a leading specialist school in Wales because of the effect of the therapies and technologies on our students. So as you've said I'm now um, an SEN advisor for a global VR company and advisor um, for professionals and parents in um, therapeutic and technological interventions. And I write about those things in books as well. So I've got books published. I constantly write articles and papers related to therapeutic and technological interventions. And I have a website and a YouTube channel. And I do actually respond to parents who ask for a specific video on a specific topic if they haven't found it already on my YouTube channel. You're listening to The Water Prairie Chronicles, a podcast that supports parents of children with disabilities by sharing the stories of individuals who have grown up with disabilities and the organizations available to help parents along the way. Stay connected with us by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment if you want to join in on the conversation. Today we're going to be talking about the topic of how virtual reality can be used to support students with social, emotional, and mental health needs. Ange, can you start by explaining what VR is? Yes, um, the term v VR was coined by Jaron Lanier in 1987, and he defined it as a computer-generated, interactive, three-dimensional environment in which a person is immersed. In his book, The Dawn of the New Everything, which is great book if you're interested in, in VR, by the way, um, he goes on to give 47 different definitions. So what I would say wow. is that VR takes a person to a different reality to the one that they're currently in. Augmented reality, on the other hand, allows the person to stay in touch with the real world whilst interacting with virtual objects around them. So they are different. And um, as you know, I've written a book, VR, AR and AI, which is virtual reality, augmented reality and artificial intelligence in special education. And so that they're obviously different technologies and virtual reality takes a person to a different reality to the one that they're currently in. 
those that are listening, you may have seen something like this. Um, if your children don't have a game that's a VR game, this past year I went to an arts presentation. At the end, we wore these VR um, headphones or mask, I guess it would be. And it was really cool. So if you've never been in that environment, it's it really just takes you completely into a different different area. Um, so anyway, so just a, a little little side si side note there with a, a per personal connection. Um, but Ange, what led you to start exploring how to use virtual reality to support your students, and what problem were you trying to overcome when you first started using it? Well, in the school where I was head, all of our students were neurodiverse. So as I said, they had a diagnosis ranging from severe learning difficulties and disabilities to complex and profound, and 75% had a primary or secondary diagnosis of autism. Many of our students found transition difficult. So some would have meltdowns if they had to go to the dentist, or if they were gonna catch a train, or even crossing the road, going to a supermarket. Um, and many were anxious and they had fears and phobias. So VR can help reduce anxieties and prepare students for real life situations and transitions that they fear. So I would say that our private inner wills that we all have could be full of anxieties and hopes and desires that may not be met by traditional education which is designed to meet the needs of the economy and the outside world. The traditional way of learning is often based on memorising certain facts and formulas and regurgitating them for exams. But in this technological age, we can access more information from the internet in an instant than we could ever memorise in a lifetime. In my many years as head teacher of a special school, a major concern to myself and staff were the communication difficulties and the mental health challenges children and students suffered as a result of their conditions and also because of the neurotypical world outside of themselves that they have to contend with. So what I suggest, suggested is that we use technology to help neurodivergence gain control in a neurotypical world. So students with learning differences in my experience have shown high levels of comfort with technology for many reasons. Computer programs are predictable, logical, and can provide an intellectual outlet for those with specialized interests. We found that our students born into the fourth industrial revolution were comfortable with technology. What they did find uncomfortable was actual real life situations. I wanted to find out then how we could use technology that they liked to make life easier for parents and staff, but more importantly for the students. How could we use the technology that they seem to enjoy to make real life situations easier for students with learning differences? The technology entails presenting our senses with a computer generated virtual environment. VR activates the motor cortex in our sensory system in a way that's similar to real life experiences. VR gives us the concept of presence, the feeling of being in that virtual environment, our brain's way of telling us that the experience is real. So multi-sensory rooms are already popular in special schools in the UK, where students can go into a multi-sensory room and learn about colours 
and numbers and interact with these images on the, on the wall. In the spring of 2016, I asked the innovative technology firm in the UK, which is called OMI, O-M-I, to install their 360-degree multi-sensory room. But I didn't want one of these multi-sensory rooms that were already in other special schools. I wanted it with a difference. I didn't need a maths and literacy background because we had whiteboards in classrooms that did that. We had interactive whiteboards. I, I, I did want to keep their relaxing beach scenes that they had and similar scenes that all students can benefit from and meditate on. But I also wanted background scenes that I'd asked the parents what they wanted and they had requested certain ones. So Army agreed to try and in the summer recess they installed a multi-sensory room and some 3D interactive background scenes. But <laughs> they were a German shopping mall, a European underground, and we felt that we needed scenes to be more personalised to our locality and for our students. So OMI agreed to train our staff in producing our own 360 degree scenes, which they did. Oh, wow. They trained our staff and we produced our own 360 degree immersive studio for our students. You know, I, you, you mentioned um, when you were first starting to, to describe this, um, it triggered a memory for me that I never thought of before. When we are teaching languages to other, to others, we can teach them from the book. They can learn, as you say, to to regurgitate the information back. But you don't learn to think in the language. You don't learn to to think in the situational time to know when to use it. Well, and so I never thought about helping our neurodiverse children. Looking at the difference between the neurodiverse world and the neurotypical world, be benefiting from the same type of exposure, where you can have an immersive environment and learn to react in those situations, just like if you can go into another country and totally separate yourself from your native language, you're going to learn the language a lot faster. So, um, so I never even thought of it that way. But very, very, and an interesting approach here. So I'm looking forward to hear, hearing a, a little more about this. Um, what did you find were the benefits of using virtual virtual reality with students in your school to support the social, emotional, and mental needs? Well, virtual reality has been of huge benefit, enabling students to go to places that they previously couldn't go to. We've all experienced a student or a child rewinding a video in the past over and over again to help them make sense of a confusing world. We have seen students not willing to let go of an incident until it has the outcome that they expected it to have. So why not use that knowledge to create, recreate virtual reality situations where they can play back a scene as often as they need to until they feel comfortable enough to visit its real life counterpart. So you included the section in your book about using the virtual reality um, to help teach students real world social skills. When I imagine someone using VR, like I said earlier, I picture them wearing the headset like I had done and kind of, and, and I felt really closed off from everything around me. So I'm picturing a child sitting there with the headset on, totally separated from, or maybe more like locked away from the outside world. How can VR work to help students develop social skills in this environment? Well, there are many virtual reality apps now that help students understand emotions, for example. 
So if you just go on YouTube to sample some, um, one that springs to mind is Meeting Strangers in the Metaverse, which is directed at teenagers, and you wear a headset for that. But VR hasn't got to mean wearing a headset. VR enables a student to practice an experience they would not possibly have, um, have the chance of in real life. I know, for instance, of a college currently using VR for students to practice work experience situations before they actually go there. Oh. The whole of the shop floor can be experienced in the safety of school beforehand. So we used the VR room for transition for those who couldn't face leaving our school to visit the secondary school by visiting that school in our VR room and its staff and then their anxiety levels were reduced because in a VR room you don't wear a headset because many of our students um, because of oh, physical okay. disabilities or um, because of their sensory um, issues um, couldn't cope with having a, um, a, a mask on um, basically is, is what it feels like to them and so a virtual reality room in the, com in, in the space of what it is um, allows it to be um, uh, allows that person to be inside a um, you know I suppose ours was about um, I don't it, it's transferring it to, to your um, meters and so on I would say um, about 12 12 foot or three yards by eight foot or ten foot something like that is about that that's okay. big enough it can be bigger it depends on what space you've got available and that then contains you in there in a better way um, than it would be with just a headset on. It's it's not too closed in, you don't feel claustrophobic, you feel quite free, but this is happening around you. Believe me, you feel as though you're there. Um, so, um, uh, let me see. So, once they become familiar with, say, the school, um, the staff, the bus ride, they feel able to visit those places. And we had a 100% success rate in all that we did with VR wow. and with Transition. We hadn't had that before using VR. A research team at Texel Univers University are currently using my book as a guide for their work in developing social skills through VR for students with special needs at their university. So you were just describing a little bit um, about the virtual reality room. And in your book, you talk about how the room was used to help neurodiverse students learn to cross the road safely um, and to help the children overcome their fears and phobias. Can you, I mean, could, um, you gave us some dimensions there. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the room actually looked like and what the results were? You told us some there, but can you go into more detail yeah, of how, yeah. how, the, how the room looked? Yeah, well, the staff and parents voted for learning to cross the road as the first VR experience. And our students had experienced difficulties when they were expected to wait at the local pedestrian crossing, which had a waiting time of three minutes. Now, three minutes is quite a long time to wait for students who are already anxious. So one of our HLTAs, Higher Learning Teaching Assistants, Helen, visited the local crossing. She took the 360 degree photos and videos and made recordings of all the sounds that were encountered there 
Samantha, our technology lead, transferred these onto a program on the VR computer that was connected to the rest of the VR equipment in the multi-sensory room. And this produced a seamless 3D version of the crossing with relevant sounds and actions projected onto three walls of the room so that students were surrounded by a real-life situation but in the safety of school. It was decided that 30 students aged from 7 to 11 would benefit from this opportunity and consider sent forms plus useful information was sent home to the parents and all parents consented to the trial. Now the panoramic view of the junction was projected onto the three walls. There were coloured spots on the floor which were beams of light projected from the ceiling and each had an image attached along with an accompanying sound where relevant. These images were activated onto the walls where there was this continuous background um, with or without support, they, the students, some needed support, some didn't, to use the ones. Um, and passing the handheld controller across the appropriate colour to break the beam and then the pictures transferred to the wall. Handheld controls and haptics can determine the level of vibrations used so that students who are blind can actually experience virtual reality. Because virtual wow. reality does not stand for visual reality. It stands for virtual reality. And so it's possible to create a virtual reality of what some students have to encounter on a daily basis, perhaps if required using auditory input and haptic input more than visual. Transmitters and receivers on the wall would enable an immersive experience that was very real to that student. So each student was offered sessions of 10 to 15 minutes in length once a week, spanning a period of eight weeks. These sessions were split into three stages. So during this time, each student was encouraged to act out crossing the road. They were required to listen out for all the sights and sounds. They learned how to press the button and activate to control and activate the traffic light system. And they learned to wait patiently as they looked and listened continually. The immersive room experience is very real. It allows students to explore and experience situations as if they were actually there in that environment or place. At the third stage, students were then taken to the actual crossing to see whether the VR session had been successful or not in helping them to cross the road in a safe and timely manner. During one week, each student was taken to the crossing with staff and the success or failure of the programmes was observed and they had a 100% success rate. So the VR room has been used to create many scenarios since. For instance, one of our boys was always late for school because his parents had to do a two mile detour to avoid any traffic lights on the way to school. If they tried to drive that route to school, he would have a behavioural meltdown that was dangerous in the confined space of a car. Helen joined them on a couple of school runs to assess the problem. It took just two weeks of daily 20 minute use of the VR room where he completed the VR journey to school operating the traffic lights. He was given control of the situation that he had previously felt unable to control. From that day onwards, they were able to use the short route to school and Sam entered school in a very as a very happy and relaxed boy. He learnt through VR how to self-regulate his behaviour. 
Students with fears and phobias are now able to build their own private secure library of how to cope with social situations that ordinary people take for granted. The National Dental Association praised us at their annual meeting, reporting a 100% success rate for all of our students attending the dentist surgery. This hadn't happened before using VR. Helen, our HLTA, has represented OMI at the National Autism Conferences, showing how an immersive VR room can reduce anxieties and phobias. When I'm going into a stressful situation, you know, days beforehand, my mind is rehearsing what's going to happen. You, you think through the possible outcomes, you, you replay it, and it sounds like this is presenting them in, a, in a, an environment that does that for them. This, this, is, this is really interesting information. Well, this is all about preparation, isn't it? Yes, yeah, and, and I think we, we all need this, but... Even more so with a child who's neurodivergent. They need, you always need to be planning and preparing beforehand. It's no good just expecting to stick them in the car and take them somewhere. We all know that, that's why there's social stories and so on. But this is better than social stories because they actually get to try that situation first off. And you will see, I mean, I've had parents who've come to me in the past whose child has had a huge meltdown on a train and has hurt people on the train and so on and so forth. But if beforehand that he'd had this possibility of being able to do this beforehand, then there are, the chances are that that would not have happened. Now, I wanted to go back. You had mentioned when you were describing the room, the haptics, and some of our listeners may not know what that is. That's the vibrations that you may yes. feel on your phone when you put your yes. phone on silent. Yes. Um, and so it feels like a real reaction. Mm, yes. Is there? Am, am I describing that correctly? Yes, okay. that's perfectly correct. Yes, yes. And it, it's, um, it's all about which senses are going to help the, um, a, a student who is neurodivergent the best. And it may be that it's, you know, um, a, a haptic sense of feeling, a sense of feeling that's better for them than anything visual. It may be auditory that helps them better. So it's about finding out which suits that particular child and, and then you recreate um, a, a virtual reality experience that they would experience in real life. You're not trying to give them something they're never gonna experience because that is cruel. Um, so you try and give them something that they are actually going to experience for themselves. And we have to remember that we all have schemas. So you went to a restaurant perhaps, um, you know, yesterday or something, and it was different to a restaurant you went the week before, and you've learned something from going to that restaurant that's added to your schema in your head of mm -hmm. when you go to a restaurant and this is what happens. Well, we are, all we are doing with this virtual reality is giving them schemas. We're giving them schemas that they can have. They've got these they become like computer programs if you want, um, if you want to you know, use that analogy, um, that they have in their brain that they can then go to and say, ah, this is what happens when I go to this place. And you've helped them with the virtual reality, give them a positive schema, as opposed to the schemas that they've had in the past of going to a place that they have stressed over and over because they cannot get their head past it. You've helped create a positive schema in their brain that they can use. How would you answer someone who is saying, you know, all of this sounds great, but it just sounds like an expensive gimmick to use virtual reality? How would you respond to that person? 
Well, I would say check out what, um, certainly in the UK, check out what the NHS are doing, the National Health Service are doing. They're providing virtual reality now to assist those with mental health issues. If you just do a search, then you'll find out why they're doing it without me going into all the detail because it's quite extensive. Multi-sensory rooms, as I've said, are in many special schools. And I think you could claim they were an expensive gimmick, to be honest, and I didn't want that. A virtual reality room makes much better use of a multi-sensory room, in my opinion. It has been developed to assist social skills and to deal with anxieties and phobias. I know of other schools and colleges who, on top of installing a multi-sensory room, have now employed outside disability nurses. After reading my book, they, they haven't wanted to do the, the legwork that we did, but they've employed disability nurses to use those rooms with students to deliver virtual reality in the way that we did. I believe in training school staff who can add this to their CPD myself, but it has certainly worked for other schools to use outside agencies to help them. In conjunction with a disability nurse, I know of a school that have had a first group of students access a six-week programme which has had a significant impact on anxiety reduction, social confidence and one student in overcoming a lifelong fear. Virtual reality also supports their employability curriculum for them, being able to, <coughs> to film the workplaces prior to the students leaving site for them to explore in the safety of the school, therefore supporting the anxiety of new environments and new demands. In Northamptonshire Special Schools, virtual reality has taken off significantly. The initiative was pioneered by Gareth Ivitt, head teacher of Daventry Hill School. Pencoke Special School, of which I used to be head in North Wales, continues to use virtual reality to help overcome the anxieties of those who are neurodiverse. And other schools in that area are now taking that on board and are in early stages of doing the same. So... As far as an expensive gimmick, no. I, I personally think that multi-sensory rooms might be an expensive gimmick. I don't think virtual reality rooms are an expensive gimmick. When we talk about the, the sensory rooms, what I've seen, and it's been years since I've been in the school in, in that environment, we would have a small room for if a child was having a meltdown, they would go in there and it would have some padded um, cushions. It would have some puzzles and things in it. The walls would be a blue... Is that what you're talking about when you talk about a multi-sensory room? There are, there are several different sensory rooms. So there, there is a soft play sensory room where a child who needs to get over the scheme or a trajectory scheme or of throwing things. So you might have a child who throws chairs, say, in a classroom. Now, really, if you allowed him to go into a soft play sensory room where he could throw things about and all the rest of it, he's got rid of that schema before he's came, came into the classroom. Or give him okay. basketball or something like that and he gets rid of that schema. There are other soft play sensory, there are other sensory rooms, there might be a dark sensory room where if you've got visual difficulties, you would go in there so you can have some visual stimulation and so on. So there's a dark sensory room. Okay. There is a light sensory room where you go in and you have relaxing music and so on to calm you. So there are several sensory rooms. Um, a multi-sensory room tends to be where there are, um, it is, they have 3D um, pictures that go on the wall, but they're 3D pictures of nice wave music and stuff like that, and there might be some okay. um, letters of the alphabet and things like that. Now, to me, that is all well and good, but I've got other, I had other sensory rooms to deliver that kind of thing. 
I didn't want, and, and I certainly had interactive whiteboards to deliver pictures on the wall and help them with those kind of things. I, I, to me, and perhaps I was lucky in having several different sensory rooms, a multi-sensory room wasn't as useful to my children and their anxieties and their meltdowns and all the rest of it as it would be to give them virtual reality to help them to overcome those anxieties and what was causing their meltdowns. Well, this is what I'm thinking, that if a school were going to try to install one thing, the virtual reality room is is more encompassing of more of the needs exactly. of more students exactly. than just and one you room. Could, you could still use it for other things as well. So if our listeners are interested in learning more about using these technologies to support neurodivergent children at home or at school, what's the first step that they can take and how can they find out more about your resources? Well, if they go to angeandersontherapeutic.co.uk, they can find links to my YouTube videos. Um, and they're on different technological and therapeutic interventions that can be used. And most of them are very cost effective. I give loads of ideas. Um, there's also a link to my books on the website. And if you want to go straight to Amazon to order my book, Virtual Reality, Augmented Reality and Artificial Intelligence in Special Education, you will see five star reviews from teachers, virtual reality companies, universities and parents. So um, it's again, it, it's very cost effective because it gives you loads of ideas, loads of resources in the book um, to help you set up your own um, virtual reality room. For those that are listening, I'll put all of those links in the show notes so that if you're listening to the audio, look in the notes um, for the for the audio. And, or on the website, and then if you're listening on YouTube, then it'll be in the description for the video down below. So you can get access to her website, and um, we'll also put the, the Amazon links for you there too, so you could see her books directly. So we are ready for our speed round. And those that have not listened before, our speed round is a list of 10 quick questions that I ask all of my guests. For season one, we're gonna change this up for season two now, but, uh, but we're finishing up season one right now. And um, of the 10 questions, I'll ask Ange three open-ended questions and then seven either-or questions. And she can answer them however she wants to. There's not a right or wrong. The whole purpose of this part of the, of the podcast is just to get to know our guest a little bit differently and to, um, to celebrate some of the, the ways that we're the same and, um, and unique. I've found some interesting answers to some of these questions. So are you ready for your questions? Yes. All right. So the first question, what is your favorite color? Probably green. And what was the last book that you read? Oh, um, Idol in Autism Land. And what is your favorite holiday? Oh, Christmas then, always Christmas. All right, so the next questions are either or, and you can choose one or the other, but if you're stuck, you can say both or neither. So, um, so there really isn't a right or wrong answer on these. <laughs> so the first um, is cake or ice cream? Well, it's getting on for Christmas, so it'd be cake. Okay. <laughs> Batman or Superman? Oh, see, that's Christopher Reeve or um, the other guy. Um, <laughs> if I'm thinking Christopher Reeve, then Christopher Reeve is amazing. Yeah. All right. So ocean or mountains? Um, I'm looking out at some fabulous Welsh mountains as, as I speak, so mountains. And winter or summer? Winter. Watch a movie or read a book? Book every time. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings. And Twitter or Instagram? Twitter. I, I assumed it would be Twitter for you because you, you were saying earlier that, that, that you use Twitter more. 
thank you for for coming on and telling us about your book about what you've been doing with your um your research and just the outcome of what's happened with using virtual virtual reality with neurodivergent children um, i'm excited about this i'd love to see more schools put these these rooms in place and um you know i can just think of so many uses of them in helping the children of our listeners so thank you for being on today thank you thanks very much this podcast is made possible by support from our listeners. If you want to help offset the cost of producing the Water Prairie Chronicles, become a supporter at buymeacoffee.com slash waterprairie. You've been listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles. Any resources mentioned during this episode will be posted in the description. If you're interested in joining us as a guest, contact us through the links in the description below. Be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. We appreciate your support as we build this resource. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week for a new episode.